Hey, Voices of a Killer fans, Toby here to talk about an exciting podcast that you might like. If our journey into the minds behind the bars has captivated you, then you'll find Prison Pod equally gripping. It's a podcast that delves deep into the lives affected by incarceration, offering firsthand stories from those on both sides of the cell. Available on Apple, Spotify, and Amazon, Prison Pod broadens the conversation around the impacts of jail and prison. Search for Prison Pod wherever you get your podcasts to listen to the real stories of those living a life defined by bars. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, how get 30, how get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, how to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Before we begin this podcast, Please be advised that the following episode contains language that some listeners may find offensive and inappropriate. The opinions expressed by the host and guests are their own and do not reflect the views of the podcast producers. Listener discretion is advised. What was that encounter like when you saw each other after you just hit his wife like that? I didn't want to leave no witness. It happened so quick to me, like a flash. You'd be like, wow, I can't believe I've done what I did. They ended up getting you to confess to it? What? They coerced me to make a statement. We've been corresponding ever since 2004. Who's that? Those people. The victim's family? Yeah. Y'all are in contact with each other? Yes. You are now listening to the podcast, Voices of a Killer. I'm bringing you the stories from the perspective of the people that have taken the life of another human and their current situation thereafter in prison. You will see that although these are the folks that we have been programmed to hate, they all have something in common. They are all humans like us that admit that they made a mistake. Will you forgive them or will you condemn them? They are currently serving time for their murders and they give us an inside glimpse of what took place when they killed and their feelings on the matter now. Here are the voices of those who have killed. 
Welcome back to Voices of a Killer. In this episode, we are interviewing Ronald Robinson from St. Louis, Missouri. Convicted of the double murders of Robert and Dorothy Falonsby in 1993, calling us directly from bars, Ronald explains his troubled childhood in St. Louis, Missouri, his time in the United States Army, and the allure of addiction. We will explore the series of events that led Ronald down a tragic path. Throughout this conversation, we'll uncover more about Ronald's perspective on fate and redemption and how his unwavering faith has become a guiding light in his darkest hours. This unimaginable tragedy will leave you questioning what drove Ronald to commit such a crime and questioning Ronald's belief system of everything happens for a reason. This conversation is not for the faint of heart, so listen carefully as we explore the reasons behind Ronald's actions on Voices of a Killer. So, Ronald, where are you from? From St. Louis, Missouri. How would you describe your childhood? Did you have a hard time growing up, see violence? What was it like? My grandfather abused me, and I was coming up as a child. Your grandfather was abusive? Is that what you said? Yes. Toward me. Yeah, did he live with you? Yeah, I lived with my grandparents when I, when I came up. Okay. Where was your mom and dad at? My mother was in another state. She was in California. My dad, he was in Missouri. Did you have a relationship with your mom and dad? Not so much with my dad, but with my, my mother. How come she didn't live with you? She, she had me and my sister in 55, and my sister born in 54, and she left with the California and left us with our grandparents. Did you resent her for that? Yeah, in a way, I did. She found us off my mother and father, and her mother and father. So your grandfather, is that the one that he physically abused you? Yeah. After he would do this, would he ever apologize to you? No, he was drunk at the time. What did your grand grandmother think about that? She she yeah, stopped hitting on me. She would defend you, your grand grandmother. Yeah, my grandmother defended me. Yeah. yeah. Growing up under the care of his grandparents, Ronald faced a harsh reality marked by his grandfather's abusive behavior. The wounds of his grandfather's actions ran deep, leaving a lasting impact in Ronald's life. Despite having a distant relationship with his dad, he found some solace in his bond with his mother, who unfortunately couldn't be there for him and his sister due to circumstances beyond their control. The emotions of resentment and abandonment are palpable as Ronald shares the painful experiences of feeling pawned off by his mother, leaving them in the care of their grandparents. In the midst of this difficult upbringing, one bright spot emerges, his grandmother's unwavering love and protection. Even as Ronald endured his grandfather's abuse, his grandmother stood as a shield defending him from harm. This part of Ronald's story serves as a poignant reminder of the lasting impact that family dynamics can have on an individual, shaping their path and influencing the person they become. But I wanted to know more about what led Ronald calling us from behind bars. Did you get into drugs whenever you were younger? I started smoking weed when I was younger. Did you ever get into legal trouble whenever you were... A young kid? Yeah, I stayed on. I had caught a case in me when I was in the Army. I've been in the United States Army. When did you join the Army? I said 72. 1972, that's when you went? Yep. And how old were you? 17. 17. What made you go to the Army? What, what prompted that? I didn't have nowhere to stay. I had to get out of the house, stay with my grandfather, my grandmother. How was that? Did you enjoy being enlisted in the Army? I the Army. Did they station you somewhere? Fort Leonard and Fort Bliss. What was the army like for you? Did you do pretty well in there besides getting in trouble? Oh, the army was cool. I'd done two and a half years in the army. Yeah. I had six months to go before I got out. I caught a case while I was in there. I got a robbery while I was in there. 
Why did hydrated you, rock. Yeah, were you into drugs or anything? Why did you do that? Oh, well, it wasn't good for the case. All I knew was $1,500 would be the case, and I couldn't come up with the money. So off I went to the prison. I wasn't good for the robbery. You weren't good for I, it? Wasn't no, I wasn't good for it. That's why I told you I needed $1,500. I could have beat my case. Okay, I got hey, you. One, hey, one of the baddest lawyers in El Paso, Texas. How old are you when you get out of the Army? When I got out of the Army, they gave me a discharge in 75. 1975? How old were you then? I think I was 20. Did you get a dishonorable discharge? Yes, I got undesirable. Yeah. They gave me undesirable. They say, why you make the law forces you will not commit no civil offense if you do your service to an undesirable or dishonorable discharge. After you get out of the Army, what happens to you then? What, what do you do? What direction? After I got out of the Army, I was, I was in the prison. They sent me to prison for the Army. For the robbery? Yeah. How long did you get? I got 42 months old, seven. Okay. So you get out of prison. Did you go to federal prison? Like the KDC. Yeah. So you get paroled out of prison. Then what, what direction does your life go? Oh, it was good. It was good. I stayed with my grandmother. My grandfather had passed. I went back and stayed with my grandmother and my mama. In St. Louis? Yeah, in St. Louis. Okay. What did you start doing with your life then? I was working. I was working in a... Had you committed a lot of crimes before this occurred? No. I was out 17 years before I caught this case. The judge asked me, what happened? What, you know, I said, man, I don't know. He said, yeah, the clean record. You got 17 years. He yeah. said, you was walking the line clean. How's prison been after all this has happened? Is it a pretty hard ride? Oh, no, it ain't no hard ride. I got y'all in my life now. I didn't know y'all when I was out there. See, I had to base myself from y'all when I was out there. He was trying to get my attention. I, I didn't. He was trying to get my attention. I've been shot three times, cut stabbed, beat, operated on. Still here. I wasn't under no religion banner. No. Well, I got shot in the head in 1991. He was trying to get my attention. I had two bullet holes in my head. It was a fracture in my brain. Yeah. He was trying to get my attention. The doctor said, boy, you lucky God was on your side. He said, you see these two white holes here on this x-ray? He said, you got an inner hole and an exit hole. He said, God was on your side. It was a fracture from in your brain. Yeah, I've been through the ringers, man. I've been, I've been up, I've been down, I've been all around, pushed to the side, but I'm still inbound. I ain't going nowhere to the, to the grave ready for me to go. You know? So they just got the body here. They don't have my mind. I'm not going to surrender my mind to these people. You know? who, are, who are these people? Yeah, to the administration, my captives, yeah. administration. Missouri DOC? Yeah. I know who's in control of my destiny. Do you think you should be out on the streets? I, I believe I, I deserve a second chance, yeah. Everybody made mistakes. I'm not perfect. But human beings is perfect. I'm not perfect. I made a mistake. Now I'm paying for it. Do you take it personal against the Missouri Department of Corrections? No, they didn't put me here. I put myself here. Okay. Like my grandmother told me, she said, everything happened for a reason, baby. You just got to live it out. She said, it could have happened to anybody. Ronald's decision to join the United States Army at the age of 17 offered him an escape from the harsh environment he grew up in, but even there, trouble followed him, leading to a robbery and subsequent prison sentence of 42 months behind bars. 
Throughout his journey, Ronald's life seemed to be a series of events that shaped him, but his grandmother seems to be a constant, teaching him that everything happens for a reason. After an almost fatal shooting and brush with death in 1991, Ronald ignored the signs which he believed were from his newfound faith in Yahweh, which he later discovered during his time behind bars. It is interesting to note that he acknowledges his mistakes and takes responsibility for the choices that led him to incarceration, which leads us to the question, what were the circumstances that led Ronald to put himself behind bars? What was your relationship to the victim in your case? I didn't know him that, that well. I was known about a couple of months. I didn't know him that well. A friend of mine turned me on to the job. I actually knew I go out there one day. I let we could work. I was a handyman. I used to do handy work on the side. So I got introduced to them. And I started working out at their house. And one thing did to the I had been drinking and messing with the cocaine. But they didn't need to commit my crime. So you were doing work on the victim's house? No, I was working out there. Cut grass, clean out the garage. Okay. Do a little minor job. And who are these people that were that hired you? Oh, follow me. So you're basically doing work for them, and you you get you drink lots of alcohol, and you, what do you smoke crack cocaine? Yeah. yeah. At that time, I was high. I was intoxicated when I committed my crime. Yeah. So, were you working at their house whenever you committed the crime, or did you go back there after hours? I was at the house. Had you been plotting on it for a while? What you wanted to do? No. I wasn't planning on it. Spur of the moment, what do you want to do? Get some money from him? It's just an accident that was bad. I wasn't in my right frame of mind. Hired as a handyman to help with tasks around the home of his victims, Robert and Dorothy Falonsby, Ronald's life took a dark twist as he fell into the clutches of drug addiction. Intoxicated and under the influence of crack cocaine, he found himself in a state of mind that clouded his judgment and led to a spur of the moment decision that would change everything. While Ronald's case is a stark example of the devastating impact of drug addiction, it also sheds light on the broader crack cocaine epidemic that plagued the United States during the 1980s and early 1990s. Crack emerged in the early 1980s and quickly gained popularity due to its highly addictive nature and lower cost compared to powder cocaine. By the mid-1980s, crack had become a pervasive issue in many urban communities, leading to a surge in drug-related crime and violence. How did this seemingly harmless handyman reach a point where he felt compelled to act in such a tragic manner? Was this due to his addiction to drugs or was it something else that led Ronald to snap? And what is your plan? What do you decide to do? I just snapped out. This thing I could tell you, one thing led to another. I just snapped out and lost it. That and more after the break. Take me back to the day that this murder occurred. What exactly happened? Take me to the very beginning. It occurred in 93, October 93. It was just a bad day. Yeah, you're working at these people's houses, and what is your plan? What do you decide to do? I just snapped out. This thing I could tell you, one thing led to another. I just snapped out and lost it. How many victims were there in your case? Two. So there's two people at this house. Was it husband and wife? Yes. Did you attack them with your bare hands or with a weapon? What did you have? It was like a pipe. Did you sneak inside the house and surprise him with the pipe and hit him with it? No, I, was, I didn't sneak around him, but I was in there. You was already in the house? Yeah, I was already in the house. Did they trust you? Yes, they did. Were they wealthy people? Uh, I wouldn't say they were wealthy people. They were well off. Yeah. But did they consider you as a friend and a co and an employee? Yeah. 
whenever you approached them with this pipe, did you do it from behind or were they facing you? Both from behind. They didn't see it coming. Were they both together when you attacked them? Both. They were in one room and the other one in the other room. So who did you go after first? The woman. And what did the husband do when you went after his wife like that? He was downstairs. He had no idea. How did you attack her? He didn't hate it. With what? I found some miller down in the garage. I grabbed the miller and hit her in the head. So you actually thought about this and went found something to hit her. When you hit her, did she fall to the ground or did she try to fight back? No, she didn't try to fight back. She fell? She was laying in the bed. You hit her in the bedroom? Yeah. So whenever you hit her, she fell in the bed. Did you keep continue hitting her? No, no, I didn't. What did that feel like standing over somebody that you just hit them over the head with a metal pipe, oh, possibly? Oh. At that, that, that time, I was in, wasn't in my right frame of mind. I just, wow, I can't believe what I did. Did you think that maybe you should stop after that, or you went ahead and went to the other, the husband? Well, I wasn't thinking. Went to the husband. Did, did you go look for the husband? I went down there and ran into him. Did he know that that had happened? No, he didn't know. No, he didn't know. Did you still have the weapon in your hand? You got rid of it? Yeah, I got rid of it. What was that encounter like when you saw each other after you just hit his wife like that? I didn't want to leave no witness. Did you chase after him? I just walked up behind him. What'd you do to him? I cut him on the throat. You had a knife in your hand? Yeah, I wouldn't got a knife. Cut him on the throat. You approached him from behind and you sliced his throat? Yeah. Where'd you get the knife at? What happened to him whenever you did that, the moment that you sliced his throat? He fell on the floor. I left. Is it, was there a lot of blood? You, you cut his artery? I couldn't really say. I go he was bleeding. But I heard him get out of the house. Did you stay there and watch him for a minute, or did you leave immediately? I left immediately. Did you take anything with you? Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. And what was the purpose of doing that? You didn't steal anything for drug money, so you just killed him just to do it? Uh, I can't remember all I got. I think it was some jury I got from him. That's all I got was Did you take that after you killed both of them? Yeah. Yeah. Did you ever go back and look at the body to see if they were still dead? Uh, I didn't go back. No? No, I didn't go back. Did you go to a pawn shop or did you go to the dope dealer? What did you do? I went to the pawn shop. Yeah. Did they question you about where you got it? Did you have blood on your shirt or anything like that on your hands? Uh, no. So I guess you got some cash at the pawn shop and you went and bought some crack? Yep. So were you high on cocaine? Yeah, I was high on cocaine. Alcohol. Were you smoking crack? Yeah. Trying to support my habit. Yep. Yeah. That's what I did. Yeah. 
it happened so quick to her, like a flash. She'd be like, wow, I can't believe I've done what I did. Yeah. Consumed by drug addiction, Ronald committed a heinous act of violence, taking the lives of Robert and Dorothy Falonsby. As he recounts the chilling details of the crime, it becomes evident that he was in a state of mind clouded by the effects of crack cocaine. The brutal attack on the unsuspecting couple leaves us grappling with the senselessness and tragedy of it all. As we try to comprehend the motives behind such a horrific act, it becomes clear that Ronald's drug addiction played a significant role in his descent into violence. But it also leaves us with the burning question, what led Ronald to take such extreme measures? Was it the overwhelming grip of addiction, the desperation to sustain his habit, or something deeper and darker within him? Understanding the motives behind this crime presents a challenging and unsettling task, one that may offer insight into this complex interplay of drugs, desperation, and human behavior. What was the motive? I can't explain what the motive was. So what was the purpose of killing this person? I was stressed out, man. So you just you did it to relieve from some stress? I was stressed. You could, you could say that. But why? So why this person? Is it because you didn't like them or what? Man, I, I, I couldn't really tell you, man. They ain't that I didn't like. The people was trying to help me, and I ended up killing them. They were That's trying to help you? Say. Yeah, they was trying to help me, and I ended up killing them. What did you have going on in your life that caused that kind of stress? I was staying somewhere where I wasn't welcome. I was staying with my grandmother and mom. Okay, I understand. And me and my mom, we had got into it that morning. And I was stressed out. Instead of me dealing with it, I took my stress out on, on them people, which I shouldn't have done that. Yeah, no, I understand the remorse. And I think that's good to hear that you're remorseful uh, and, and that's not like something that's perpetually in you. So everything happens for a reason. What do you think the reason for this is? Uh, I don't know. Only he knows. Only the creator knows. If you read Ecclesiastes chapter 3, it says there's a sound for everything. You think it's gonna happen to a person? Yeah. You need to clear that. It's tell you when a man's caught in an evil trap. Yeah, that's what happened to me. I got caught in an evil trap. It was an evil spirit resting on me. Yeah, I didn't commit murder. The spirit that was in me done it. Let me ask you a question: Have you ever had an evil spirit attached to you, or been involved with an evil spirit, or done something that you regret and know that it wasn't you? So I actually suffer from anger issues. So yes, I know exactly what you're talking about. I've never killed anybody, but I do have problems with anger. But whenever somebody asks me, tell me about that situation when you got angry, I can explain it in detail, which I'm trying to get out of you. I'm trying to wrap my head around how that, because I understand anger, like if they had provoked you, because I think that anger is a natural a thing that we all have. Some of us have more than others, but if they had provoked you, then that gives an idea why something occurred. But it's fascinating because these are people that are helping you and you just sneak up on them and kill them. It's as, uh, it's crazy, man. Uh, it was crazy. You know, it wasn't me. It was crazy. I done what I did. It is what it is, man. I can't bring them back. I'm sorry. Yeah. And people forgive me. I appreciate you saying that. I appreciate you saying yeah. that. She said, all right, do, do cocaine really make you act like that? I said, yeah, it gives you a different frame of mind. And that's what I was in. I was in a different frame of mind. So do you think that you should be a free man, that you wouldn't do that again? Yeah. I would deserve a second chance. What if you got into drugs and you killed somebody again? Oh, I want no, I changed my way. I was back then, I was young, I'm older now. I had a new way of thinking. I'm drug free, I've been drug free since 93. That would never happen again. 
I'm sure as you listen to this, you are as confused about Ronald's motives as I am. Overwhelmed by his emotions, Ronald took out his frustration on the very people who were trying to help him. The weight of his addiction in a different frame of mind, influenced by drugs, clouded his judgment, leading to a terrible and irreversible act. I can relate to the concept of anger issues, understanding how emotions can drive actions that one later regrets. While I've never taken such extreme measures, I acknowledge that anger can be a powerful force that alters one's behaviors. In the United States, anger management is a significant issue, with studies indicating that around 16.5 million adults suffer from intermittent explosive disorder, a condition characterized by recurrent problematic episodes of impulsive aggression. This, combined with his addiction to crack, was the perfect storm for this tragic act. During the height of the crack epidemic in the late 1980s and early 1990s, the United States experienced a staggering increase in drug-related arrest and incarceration rates. According to historical data, the number of people incarcerated for drug offenses skyrocketed from around 50,000 in 1980 to over 400,000 by the early 1990s. This alarming increase not only overwhelmed the criminal justice system, but also disproportionately affected communities of color, further exacerbating existing social and economic disparities. While Ronald falls directly under these definitions, he does not blame the system for his plight, rather stating that he is the reason why he is behind bars and also expressing remorse for his actions. To fully grasp the extent of his remorse, we need to understand the aftermath of the murder. What happened after he fled the scene, sold the jewelry for his one-time hit of crack, and went back to his grandmother's house? Did he simply go on with his life, or was he able to take responsibility for his actions? How long after this happened did the police come to you? About two days or three days later. Did they, they come, come with a warrant or just for questions? No, they come in my sister's house. For a warrant or questions? Questions. Did you cooperate with them? Yeah. Did they take you down yeah, to the station and ask you? Yes. How did you do in the interview? Did you just deny it? They had everything on me. They had a witness that I was there at the house, so I couldn't really get around it. Who was the witness that saw you there? There was some man that came in and put it in a refrigerator yeah. in the house that day. So he was just a witness against me. He identified me. What did you do with the two murder weapons, the knife and the pipe? Oh, I think they found one of them. Oh, really? They found Yeah, I think they found one of them. Which one did they find? The knife. Where did you put it? I don't remember where I put it, but they found it. Yeah, where did you put the pipe at? I threw the pipe away. Yeah. Threw the pipe away. So they ended up getting you to confess to it? What? They coerced me to make a statement. So what made you go ahead and turn yourself in like that? How did they coerce you? At the time I was intoxicated, I just wanted to get it over with. Yeah. I was about right frame of mind. And then they were threatening to whoop me. Yeah. You pled guilty to it, right? Yeah, I pled guilty to it. It's the same thing that the courts have, right? Yeah. This is why I pled guilty. I was facing the death penalty, okay? And my lawyer and my grandmother, my mother would say, hey, don't let 12 people condemn your life. Take the life without because anything can happen. Laws do change. Yeah. Follow me. So my mother would say, don't take my grandmother away. You know, mother probably pass if you get the death penalty. So it was a hard decision I had to make. I wanted to go to trial, but I didn't want to cause nobody else to be hurt. But you ended up pleading guilty to it, right? Yeah, I ended up pleading. They gave me a deal. Because you see, they was telling me anything could happen while you're living. Nothing yeah. They can't do nothing when you did. 
some of the alleged will people could do in your life. Ronald reveals that he cooperated with the questioning of the police, but the weight of the evidence against him left him little room to deny his involvement. A witness had seen him at the victim's house, further complicating his situation. Under the influence of substances and feeling overwhelmed, Ronald eventually confessed to the crime, though he points out that the confession was somewhat coerced due to the circumstances at the time. While Ronald mentions coercion, there is no evidence of this in any court document available to us. Interestingly, while there is not much information about this case online, there is information about how a $20,000 reward was given to a major case squad of Greater St. Louis after its detective solved the murder of Robert and Dorothy Falonsby in 1993. In this case, the reward was given to the major case squad, which is supported by donations and is a cooperative that shares investigators among St. Louis area departments. While much about rewards is murky, particularly to police, in this case, this doesn't show any evidence of police coercion or corruption. One thing that is crystal clear though, it highlights how Ronald's actions led to a greater outcry in the community and perhaps there was very influential outside pressure on him to plead guilty. Facing the gravity of the charges and the possibility of the death penalty, Ronald made the difficult decision to plead guilty. He wanted to spare his family further pain and turmoil, knowing that life without parole would at least ensure they could still be a part of his life. The consequences of that fateful decision would shape the rest of Ronald's life behind bars, something we'll find out more about after the break. Do you feel like prison is a place where you suffer? Yeah. Another form of hell. Hell is right here on this earth. Do you get real I depressed in there? Mistake. No. I don't need depressed. Because I know who's in control of my destiny. Some things you couldn't get around. Some things you got to learn. You know you're going to spend your last days there. Well, I'm not going to say I'll spend my last days there anything because the grave is in control. It's time for me to release. I'll be released. I don't depend on man to release me. I depend on the creator. And who is your creator? Yahweh. Yeah, we're the Yahweh. Yeah. Yeah, I'm yeah that's who I worship, Yahweh. Yeah, that's who I worship, Yahweh. So did you... He me 30 years in here. Do you think that your God forgives you for what you've done? Yes. I don't have no good counsel. Yeah. It said when you make peace with your enemies, you make... Is it Proverbs 16 or 16 fruits? When a man waits for his Yah, he makes peace with his enemies. Have you ever read that verse before? Actually, I think I have. When a man waits peace, you know, he makes peace with his enemies. So I made peace with her. Yeah. That's why I've been trying to call her for the last seven days. She must be out of town. We've been corresponding ever since 2004. Who's that? The people. The victim's family? Yeah. Y'all are in contact with each other? Yes. And who is this? His daughter. Okay. The daughter sounds like she's forgiven you then. She forgave me. She said, hey, I had to, you know, a lot of people still to don't get in contact with me. She got in contact with me on the internet. Yeah. How does that make and, you, does that make you feel good knowing that you're forgiven by your victim's loved one? Oh, yeah. Yeah. And the creators, yeah. Yeah. Because everything happened for a reason, man. Everything happened for a reason. As long as I'm forgiven by the creator and body, I'm on my peace within myself. Ronald speaks about his faith in Yahweh and how it's been a source of strength during his time in prison. He firmly believes that everything happens for a reason and places his destiny in the hands of the divine. I couldn't help but think of the irony of this belief 
given that his victims, Robert and Dorothy Philanby, tragically died for no reason whatsoever. Despite the challenges of being incarcerated, Ronald maintains a sense of inner peace, knowing that he has made amends with the victim's family. Surprisingly, Ronald reveals that he has been in contact with the victim's daughter since 2004, and she has forgiven him for his actions. This connection with the victim's family is rare amongst killers and has brought him to a sense of closure and forgiveness. Despite his mistakes in life, Ronald's story serves as a testament to the transformative power of faith and the importance of seeking redemption and forgiveness. The question to you, listener, is, does that absolve him of his crimes? Is he allowed a second chance at life outside of prison? Before we hung up, I wanted to know if he had any thoughts on what would happen to him when, as he put it, his mind finally leaves this world, and if he had a message to anybody who was in his situation. What do you think happens to us when we die? The body returns back to the spirit, returns back to the creator. We go down the dirt, we see the resurrection come. Do you think there's any uh, bearing on the fact that you've taken a life on what's going to happen to you when you die? No. Nah. I clear my conscience of that. I made a mistake. What would you say to anybody out there that about drugs? What I would say, leave drugs alone. It cost me 30-some years in prison. Do you think the reason you're in there, the reason those murders occurred, are solely because of drugs? Yeah. Yeah, I lived in a drug-infested neighborhood. I had a wicked woman, and I was a wicked man. We was doing wicked things. One thing led to another. Like I said, I was under a lot of stress. Yeah, I've been on the stress. I'm probably still. Okay. Hey, Ronald, I appreciate you reaching out to me and open up about what yeah. what happened. If I could come with anything else, I'll let you know. Yeah. But see, I don't like to talk to the phone. I like to email. I really email if I have anything else to add to that. I really email. And it'll be on this I'm well, not a phone person. I don't like to be honest with you. The phone don't work in my behalf. My family basically wrote me off. Life without the road, I'll easily never get the house. Yeah. I ain't had one visit in 30 years, man. I've been locked up 30 years in my truck. I only had one visit. Yeah. One visit. That's why I'm so glad when you came to my life. Wow. Praise you Somebody they could understand. Had you been wanting to tell somebody your story? Somebody, listen, I'm not a bad person, man. I'm not a bad person. I'm not perfect, but I made a, a crucial mistake and it cost me many years in prison. on the next episode of Voices of a Killer. Hello, this is a prepaid collect call from Lonzo Davis, an offender at the Jefferson City Correctional Center. I had to go to school because I got shot. What do you mean you got shot? I have a finger off on my left hand. How'd that happen? And he busted the door and he shot me with a 12 gauge and I was shooting back. I didn't hit him, but he hit me. Did you shoot him in the head? Did you shoot him in the chest? It was a soldier in, in war. You react. But the thing is, making the right decision. And my decision making that day wasn't good. This is bad and bad, but good man's in the situation too. You know? That's a wrap on this episode of Voices of a Killer. I want to thank Ronald for sharing his story with us today. His ability to be open and honest is what makes this podcast so special. If you would like to read Ronald's emails to me, you can visit patreon.com slash voices of a killer. 
There you can also access exclusive raw interviews of this podcast and all previous episodes of Voices of a Killer and join our community of true crime enthusiasts. A big shout out to Sonic Futures who handled the production, audio editing, music licensing, and promotion of this podcast. If you want to hear more episodes like this one, make sure to visit our website at voicesofakiller.com. There you can find previous episodes, transcripts, and additional information about the podcast. Lastly, if you enjoyed this episode, please consider leaving us a review on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Your feedback helps us improve and reach new listeners. Thank you for your support, and we can't wait to share more stories with you in the future. Thank you for tuning in. I'm your host, Toby, and we'll see you next time on Voices of a Killer. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hey, listeners, Toby here. We have a special announcement just for you. Voices of a Killer is launching its very own Patreon page, an exclusive platform that allows you to dive even deeper into the darkest corners of these gripping tales. By becoming a patron, you'll gain access to a wealth of exciting bonus content and behind-the-scenes exclusives that will keep you on the edge of your seat. Picture this, at our lowest tier, you can have access to further content with exclusive letters, photos, and correspondence that have never been seen by the public before. At our producer tier, you will have the opportunity to engage with the team, participate in Q&A polls, and receive updates on upcoming episodes and developments. This tier is perfect for those who have a keen interest in the production process and want to be a part of shaping the show's future. You'll also have your name read at the end of our latest episodes. How cool. At the next tier, you'll have all this and the opportunity to join in our once-in-a-month video chat Q&A session with me, the host, and our production team, allowing you to engage directly with the creators and further satisfy your curiosity. And for our premium tier, you'll have all this and the ability to listen to exclusive unedited raw interviews to really hear the true voices of our podcast. So if you're ready to unlock a world of extra content, head over to patreon.com slash voices of a killer now and choose the tier that best suits your craving for true crime. Your support will not only fuel our passion for storytelling, but also enable us to bring you even more thrilling narratives and the voices that are waiting to be heard 
on Voices of a Killer.